Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Celebrity Interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Greg, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing amazing. How are you doing, Neil? Fantastic. And our guest today is Charlotte Stewart. We all know her from Little House on the Prairie and also uh, many other things. Charlotte, thanks for stopping by. How are you? I'm just fine. I just got back from a long trip to Illinois, uh, Oklahoma, and Missouri. What did you? Where, where did you go out there for? Business? Uh, it was a Little House in the Prairie event uh, <laughs> to meet all the local people in Missouri and Oklahoma and Illinois. And we had a wonderful time. You know, Greg, I'm going to go to Greg for this. And you and I, Greg, we remember Little House on the Prairie. Sure. But there's some people, you know, out there that just are living, are growing up with it right now too, Greg. It's crazy yeah. how this this show can tell that story, right, of of living a simplistic life, right, Greg? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You know, it's, there's a lot of great things to say about living simply, right, versus high-tech and complex. So it has a lot of pluses to it. So, Charlotte, when you got the opportunity to audition for The Little House Little House in the Prairie, did you know it would be as successful as, you know, because it was a book series before that? <laughs> no, I didn't. In fact, I didn't even know what Little House on the Prairie was. I had never read the books. I didn't know anything about it. And um, when I when I went in for my audition, it's then I realized it was going to be a Michael Landon pro, you know, project. And I went, oh my gosh, this is the luckiest thing I've ever fallen into. <laughs> but it, it uh, I had no idea how popular it was gonna be. In fact, it took a few years for us to catch on. Uh, if we went any any place but Los Angeles where we were shooting, we were very popular, but, you know, in our hometown, everybody kind of went, eh, what's that? <laughs> but we've been, so, we've been on now for 49 years. Wow. That's amazing. So you were, you were Miss Beetle, right? That's, that's correct. The school that's, teacher. Yeah. And, you know, I think the reason I was so comfortable with all the children uh, when we were shooting is my sister had seven children, you know, ages, you know, two, four, six, eight, ten, you know, up to teenagers. So I knew how to handle a crowd of children, you know. That's incredible. What, what was it like working with the rest of the uh, cast members and the show itself? Well, I had, I had just, I had never met Melissa Gilbert or Melissa Sue Anderson or Allison Arngram, who played Nellie. But I have to tell you, you know, years later, when we all started going on the road and meeting fans, Nellie and I became a have you know real pals. We traveled together a lot, and um, I just admired them so much because they were always on time. They always knew their lines. They were so professional, and yet they stayed children. You know that was Michael's rule was come on time and know your work, and anything goes after that. So you know he he kept that freshness of the child. They weren't you know little child actors they were kids who happened to be on a television show and he really uh, played that very well now we think about michael landon again and the the amazing talent he was charlotte working with him what did you see that was the brilliance of who michael landon is well he was you know he was very outgoing uh he was very easy to get to know but the thing i admired about him the most is he was a family man and he had a large crew that worked for him, not just the actors, but quite a large crew, you know, 25 or 30 people. And they had all come with him from Bonanza. They, had, <laughs> they liked him so much. They were so um, appreciative of the way he worked. 
you come in at six o'clock in the morning, make a pair, whatever the crew is setting up the set. And, you know, you break for lunch, normal time. You get to go home at six o'clock because he was a family man and his crew had families. And, you know, I had worked on, oh gosh, uh, Bonanza, Gunsmoke, FBI, Medical Center, My Three Sons. You worked until 10, 11 o'clock. And then you were expected to come in at six o'clock in the morning. It's exhausting. So he would shoot so that he would shoot just enough to cover a master, which was the, the scene, you know, from beginning to end. And then he would, when he, he planned his close-ups so that we weren't sitting there all day long doing one scene. We covered a lot of territory in a day. So we got to go home at six o'clock. And of course, I got to go home earlier because I worked with the children who could only work four hours a day. So they had to go to school. They had, you know, they were on the set going to school. Then they had to take so many breaks during the day. It was all according to what the Screen Actors Guild um, permitted. Wow. wow. But if, if you think about Twin Peaks and you think about Little House on the Prairie, which which of those shows did you enjoy working on the most? And like, what were the differences that you would oh see? Oh my Obviously, gosh, you... what a funny question. <laughs> um, well, Little House on the Prairie, I was on for four years. Um, it was comfortable. It was timely. Uh, they treated me very well. I made friends. Um, Twin Peaks. I had worked with David Lynch on his first film, Eraserhead which won the LA Film Award when it was released. I had no, I mean, it was the craziest film to shoot. And I did that before I did Little House on the Prairie. Oh. In fact, I went from Little House on the Prairie shoot to the Waltons working. David Lynch only worked after midnight. So I would work all night long with the David Lynch film. And then six in the morning, I was expected to be at Warner Brothers to be on the, the um, Walton set. And it was crazy for a while, but that was the kind of life. That's what I, I did. I did whatever came up. And of course, I always did student films because how are they going to know how to direct actors if they don't work with professional actors? So my point was, you know, give them all the time I could. And then much later, of course, David Lynch became very popular. He went on to do a lot of films. And then he called me up one day and said, Shar, you want to go to work? <laughs> and I said, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, I've got a series. It's called Twin Peaks. And I think you sh you'd be good on it. So that's how I got Twin Peaks. Charlotte, did you think that David was going to be that much of a talent first meeting him? I guess seeing his growth as, as a director and a creative? I had no idea. I, I asked, to tell you the truth, I questioned whether he would, you know, make it in the business because he was so particular about what he shot. And the movie was kind of weird, you know, it was it was nothing I had ever done before. And his in the way he worked from midnight to six in the morning was kind of crazy. Um, but I, I knew that from working with him, if you went to see the movie, you could not expect a linear plot. You had to let the film wash over you. You had to experience it in a whole different way. And I think that's what surprised Hollywood so much when Eraserhead was released. They were shocked, you know, that somebody could make something so beautiful and so strange and kind of suck you into it. So I admired him for that, but I didn't get it right away. But as an actor, I always follow a director's instructions. 
And if he told me to get on the floor and reach under the bed and grab that suitcase four times, that's what I did. <laughs> Very cool. Well, you know, Charlotte, you've been on a variety of movies and TV shows and so on. Uh, but what do you feel was the biggest challenge that you faced in your career and how did you overcome it? Oh, boy. Um, gosh, I don't even know how to answer that. I was so lucky. I did over 50 television shows before I got onto Little House on the Prairie. And then I did almost 50 more. So I just felt, first of all, I looked young for a really long time. So if, if you needed a character that was, that was supposed to be 17, but I was actually, you know, 30, I could do the part. And I think that's what let me work so much. Uh, it was just, you know, luck of the draw, I think. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just think luck followed me around. I met the right people at the right time. I had never met Michael Landon before I auditioned for Little House on the Prairie. So I, I don't know. I think when I did the audition, I walked into the waiting room and there were all these women in prairie clothes. And I thought, and I was in jeans and a t-shirt, which is, I lived, I was a hippie, you know, it was, a, it was the seventies. And, and I, I didn't uh, even know what it was about. So when I walked in the room, there were all these men to, to do the audition and the producer sitting me on a great big desk. And he said, are you ready to audition? And I said, excuse me, but can I sit behind your desk? And he looked at me and he looked at Michael and he, he said, um, uh, sure. And he got up and he moved over to with all the other men and they started giggling, literally, if you know Michael <laughs> Landon, he giggles. And I slammed the desk and I said, quiet. Oh my God, the looks on their faces. It was just amazing. <laughs> and I read, and before I got home that day, I had the part. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, so it's it's like, and, and you are able to do it and all those experiences, guest starring in different roles, things like that, do you feel, what do you think made you the ability to work on so many projects? Because a working actor, it's hard being a working actor. It's not the easiest thing in the world because you have to audition for each part. But we Absolutely. look at so many different parts you had. What do you think set yourself apart from other people that the directors and producers say, okay, we're going to hire Charlotte? Gosh, I think my innocence you know, literally my innocence about the business. Um, I just went for each, every time my agent uh, called me, I was excited, but I just went in, you know, they would send me the script ahead of time, usually, not always, but um, I was enthusiastic. I was grateful. Uh, I loved it. I just loved it. And I didn't, I didn't, um, I, I don't think I was that good of an actor. I think I just, could look a lot of different ways. For instance, when I was doing Eraserhead, uh, as you recall, she was pretty uh, weird looking. You know, uh, the, I did a special hairstyle that that was was kind of weird. And then I would shoot all night, and then I would go to Warner Brothers and be on the Waltons, where I played a prairie mother abandoning her child to the Waltons because she was deaf and I didn't understand. And then I would go back that night and shoot the wall, shoot Eraserhead. So I think I was versatile in a funny way. But I'll tell you the truth, I don't know. <laughs> I think I was just lucky. <laughs> and I oh. never said no. 
I don't care if it was a one day part, a five day part or a three year part. I never said no. I just did a one, you know, I just did it. So. That's great. I would say that maybe you got that from Jim Carrey's movie, you know, where he just said yes to everything, but that came out much later, right? Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Uh, Charlotte, um, we know the three shows that we've talked about, you know, The Waltons, Twin Peaks, Little House on the Prairie. Could could you just rattle off a few of the other TV shows that you had either a cameo in or a part in? That Uh, Medical Center, um, uh, then came Bronson. I started out on the Loretta Young show. When I was 19, that was my first job. And I ended up doing three of her shows, one with Loretta. Uh, I did, um, oh gosh, My Three Sons, Bachelor Father, um, Medical Center, Bonanza, Gunsmoke. Um, oh gosh, if you've got my resume there, you can tell. All the good it goes, ones. <laughs> it, goes three, it goes for three pages. <laughs> That's amazing. But it's, you know, it's been since... Um, 1959 that I started working and my my very first job was I was Alice in Wonderland at Disneyland and that's when the park first opened it had been open for two years and I was a student at the Pasadena Playhouse uh, and they came there looking for actors to play characters so you know they signed you know about seven of us to drive to Anaheim every day and and play the characters it was a ball and I met Walt Disney. That was wow. an honor. Yeah. yeah. He came, he had an apartment over the firehouse. And uh, we used to take our cigarette breaks <laughs> <laughs> behind the firehouse. And Walt, drove, with his limousine, drove up one day and got out. And we were all standing there in costume. And he was so gracious. He came over and, you know, introduced himself to each one of us. So that that was quite something. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this, the the types of shows you saw from the six from the 50s and I mean the 60s all the way to now, how things have changed in this business. And thinking about the shows and how the storylines were and how the 60s changed the 70s and 80s and so on and so forth. What do you think continues to be the way the way to be a successful actor today? even though the the lines have changed, the storylines have changed and everything. Gosh, I don't know. I When when I decided to retire 17 years ago, I had just turned 65. I was working on a, a TV series in New York um, and I started forgetting my lines. Mm. And I came to the point where I did not want to not only embarrass myself, but embarrass the film, you know, the producer, director, the star I was working with. And so I retired. So I, I haven't I haven't done anything, you know, in in I'm I'm 82 now. So I retired at 65. I wish you could see my picture because it looked pretty darn good. <laughs> I, I saw you for a moment ago. I thought you were like 35. Oh, yeah, right, right. It started working in 1958. <laughs> so, but you see, the knowledge you're able to bring to the table, especially when you see the industry changing, Charlotte, because I know you watch streaming services and see how projects are and how hardly any movies are in the theater anymore. Yeah. So all of that. And it's it's sad for the working actor in certain ways because they got because there's not as many of the big, big opportunities. And a lot of people are looking for their break more than ever, Charlotte. Yeah, I'm kind of out of it. 
I'm kind of out of it. My husband and I hardly ever watch, uh, you know, the TV shows that are on now. We go, we watch CSI and all the old television show. We binge watch shows, and that's because they were good. They were all good, and so that's really at home. That's what we do. We binge watch old shows, you know, from 20, 25, 30 years ago, and that's that's what we enjoy. And I to tell you, I. I miss being on a set. I miss meeting, you know, working with other actors. But there comes a time when you have to draw the line. And I did not want to embarrass myself or anybody else by not doing a proper job. Because I had a good career and, and worked steadily. And then when I realized that I couldn't do the job, I quit. And I'm not, mm. I'm not sorry about that. I have a lovely life. I live in Napa, California. Uh, it's very beautiful here. I'm near my family. So I retired to be near my family. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Now, are you working on a book or you wrote a book or oh, what's happening? I wish your camera was on because, yes, I wrote a book Beautiful. called Little House in the Hollywood Hills. Do you have a, do you have a copy there? I don't, but oh, I would darn. love one. Oh, darn. I wish that the, oh, gosh, I wish I could put a picture on it. <laughs> that's okay we're going to put we're going to put that in some of the photos for the podcast so don't yeah, worry okay okay it's called little house in the hollywood hills a bad girl's guide to becoming miss beetle mary x and me and it's an adventure that i had you know i was raised on a farm i had bad grades in high school i couldn't go to college like all my friends so i saw an advertisement on the back of teen magazine and it had a picture of Earl Holloman. And it talked about the Pasadena Playhouse, the State Theater of California. And I sent for an a, a application. It came, I filled it out. I signed my mother's name and sent it in and I was accepted. Then I told my mother and she said, well, we'll see about this. And we drove to Pasadena. That was uh, in 1958. And she was impressed because it was a it was a seven story building in Pasadena. It had five theaters. The curriculum was that you worked every single day and every single night. You lived in a dormitory. And she saw that that uh, my eyes lit up. I, was, I, I had never thought about acting before, but this was my escape from my farm town. And uh, as it turned out, it was right. It was good for me, and I did very well. And I got my very first job, the Loretta Young Show. And um, <laughs> rest is history. Fantastic. So Greg has a question he asks all the celebrities. Go with your question, Greg. Okay. Yeah, I sure do. So Charlotte, this is for everyone who's listening and soon to be listening. Um, what's the most important thing in life you feel you've ever learned? Be yourself. Enjoy your life. Be kind. Be kind to those around you. Just, oh boy, I wake up in the morning and I'm, I'm just so grateful that I, I have a wonderful husband. I live in a wonderful town. I'm near my family. Uh, we've had a, a, just recently some deaths in the family where there's going to be a memorial. I'm so glad that I'm close to my family. Um, and that, that people still want to meet me. <laughs> like I say, I just got back from Missouri and, um, and Oklahoma and, and Wisconsin. And um, I greeted thousands of people there. 
who just love Little House on the Prairie. And I was there with the Waltons as well. And people come in and, you know, they're small little towns. So our, the promoter of these events is very smart. He goes to a small town where they don't have access to meeting celebrities or buying their picture or getting to have a conversation with them. He's so smart. So that's what I've been doing the last five or six years is traveling around America. I even went to France. I, I've been there twice because the French love Little House on the Prairie. And um, it's just such a pleasure to meet fans who just, you know, they're, they're almost speechless because no one has ever come to their little town. You know, Marshfield, Missouri had 2000 people show up. Mm. You know, we're just, we're, we're still popular. <laughs> Charlotte, you'll always be popular. And that's the bottom line of what the brand tells about. Like in professional wrestling, I was a former professional wrestler, Charlotte. When I wrestled in the minor leagues, I wrestled with guys like King Kong Bundy, the Bushwhackers. Um, oh my God. I was on shows with Jimmy Superfly Snooker. All of those guys, when I was in the 90s, where those little towns never get the chance to see the WWE. They never get to see WCW. And to be up exactly. close with the star exactly. is the most powerful thing in the world. Or getting a chance to talk to a star is so powerful. Met, yeah, I just met a woman. Um, her name is Ree Hammond. She's the pioneer woman that has a cooking show on television. She's popular all over. And we went to her town. And she has a, a mercantile that practically takes over the entire town. And we were going there to invite her to our event in Oklahoma. And I walked in and she looked up and she said, Miss Beetle. Now, I had never met her before, but she was so thrilled to meet me. And, you know, that's just, I was, I was, I was embarrassed and astonished. You know, that someone, she's very popular on television. She has a great cooking show that, uh, that's, you know, all over the world. And how she would remember me was just, I was shocked. But she's going to join us for our, our event in Oklahoma. So, you know, I mean, that's just, I'm always surprised. Where in Oklahoma are you going to be, Charlotte? I was, again, Gosh. Oklahoma, which I never thought I would be oh, uh, to I, an Airbnb. But where in Oklahoma are you going to be? Hang on a second and I'll tell you. I've got it right here. Especially for our Texas fans here. Uh, we're in <laughs> Oklahoma. Because yeah, I've found out what Oklahoma looks like. I've never been there, Greg. But oh, it is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Uh, okay, I'm looking for, I've got the dinner Saturday. Oh, oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear, I'm sorry. I'm just. Oh, gosh. Does your website have all that updated, Charlotte? I, it's going to be up. I just got home yesterday, so it will. I don't really have a website, but I'll put it on Facebook. Okay, so where can people find it? Is it Facebook? Uh, yes, I will put it on Facebook. All right, so we definitely yeah. find Well, Charlotte, it was, it was fabulous talking to you. And oh, the, thank the, you. And the power of brand, the power of a character that lives on forever, Mrs. Beetle. And that's Miss Beetle is, is crazy. It's and, and again, Twin Peaks, same thing. These brands, these shows that we've watched our whole entire lives that people have grown up with you, Charlotte, and they can continue to grow up with you by getting the chance to meet you at your events. Your events. You say you're retired. You're retired from acting, but you're not retired from being an entertainer. Because I've never been busier. Never right. been busier. And the, the, you're an entertainer still. You can just <laughs> record something for two minutes on video 
and you're doing as you're you're providing a service to people that's tremendous. So we appreciate you coming by. Thank you so much. And I'm so sorry my video didn't work. Oh, that's okay. We're going to work on it. I have another show tomorrow. And we'll have a part two, part three, part four. That's the (laughs) thing about having your own show and getting those opportunities. So thanks again. Thanks, Charlotte. Thank you very much. Be well. All right, take care, guys. All right, that was Celebrity Interviews Live from the Broadway Greg Hanna. Take care. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of The Neil Haley Show and Celebrity Interviews Live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Greg, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing fantastic, Neil. How are you? Fantastic. And our guest today, I'm so excited. Uh, we all know her as Hot Lips Houlihan, Loretta Swit. Uh, Loretta, thanks for stopping by. How are you? I'm terrific. Thank you. Just terrific. All right, Loretta. Let's kind of jump right into this specifically enough. And tell me specifically enough uh, a little bit about how you got your big break with MASH. How did that happen? Oh, I wish it was an exciting story. I was already doing uh, leads on television and, and really uh, important shows. The, the big shows of that era, Gunsmoke, one of the longest lasting our programs and a great, you know, Jim Arnaz, that whole, that whole set, the, the cast and um, <clears throat> Millie Stone. Anyway, that Maddox, Jim, uh, Mike Connors, very popular, very, very warm, wonderful actor and um, Hawaii Five-0. I did about three of them. So, so I was there and, um, <laughs> what did they say? We're there at the right time. Uh, it was a good time for me because this was going to be on CBS. I had just done a uh, a leading role on a new show with Glenn Ford called Cades County, and we did it at Fox, and it was for CBS. So the people there involved uh, were not unfamiliar with me or my work. Which was which was wonderful because they were fans, and so when when the uh, show, the idea of the show and, and so forth came up, uh, I was uh, the top of the list to, to meet with for the role. I was in Hawaii with Jack Lord. I was doing a two-part Hawaii show, and uh, I missed all the kind of clap and hubbub that you know about the show. They saw, I'm told, hundreds of uh, people, women, and um, when I came back, I was it was sort of at the tail end of casting. I remember my, um, I used a piece of trivia. I was going to say, my agent said, have you seen MASH? And I said, no. And he said, oh, wonderful. Well, anyway, you know, but um, I, I, I never saw it. I hadn't seen the film, and then... I got the part, so I thought, well, I'm not going to see it now. You know, I don't want to see it now. And so I, I've never seen the film. And <laughs> it's kind of a really funny piece of trivia. Um, so I went up and met Gene Reynolds and Larry Gelbart. Um, none of us could have expected to be a part of the phenomenon that MASH has become, but... Because I, I, I think I would have been very nervous. <laughs> I think I think would have been very nervous. But I was not. I had fun. They were fun. Everybody was relaxed. There was no script. There was no script. You were going up for a job that wasn't created yet. 
I said, it's, a, it's kind of getting a, a, an interesting sort of story now. But um, I there was nothing um, exciting or different. It was just going up to see these people about a job, so to speak. And then, and and they liked me. They, um, uh, my agent knew that I was strong up for the role. And we had an, um, a, a, a film. We had an offer for a film at Universal. And the dates conflicted with the shooting of the pilot. So my agent called and said, um, um, they, they should let him know as soon as they've decided because we have an offer that is a good one. It was a um, wonderful film. So um, um, they said, and when he made the call out of courtesy, Gene Reynolds took the call and said, this is amazing. We were just going to call you. We've decided to go with Loretta. And that was it. <laughs> I told you it wasn't a great story. It just, it, I went for a job and I got it. You know, uh, but I I do think um, I was uh, very very blessed by by um, um, being known uh, by not the network and the studio and uh, all all play all people considered all they all thought gee you know Loretta Switch would be great in this role or whatever they whatever they thought but I mean it was um, wow great you know. Well, that's fantastic. And I know I really enjoyed watching, you know, you and the rest of the crew on those shows over the years. Um, do you have any like fun stories? You know, I love to ask people, uh, you know, behind the scenes, you guys are acting, you probably have some great stories. What's one story that might stick out? Come on, rethink that question. 11 seasons with the bus and this great bunch of men. Uh, do I have any? fun stories are you serious is that a serious question it, it was serious I, I asked for what's the one that sticks out the most in your mind loretta what good great every day was a fun story <laughs> um we were, we're all then and now such close friends family it was a pleasure to go to work in quotes work you know you're doing what you love with people you care about <laughs> and you're working with people who are incredible there it didn't come better than larry gelbart for example what a what a talent gene reynolds with his wealth of experience and so i can go on and on about people they were just best the best you couldn't help but um, be infected by that doing your best work. You're working on material that you loved. You know, it was really um, a blessing. We, I, I've always called it the miracle of MASH. In my, in my art book, uh, I give a um, page to MASH, and I, I have a beautiful lithograph that was given to us on the 10th year, the 10th uh, anniversary. And uh, we, it was a surprise. We did not pose for the painting, and um, and it's beautiful. And um, it's in my art book where I talk about the phenomenon that it became. Uh, just uh, and yet, 
thinking back, I remember the first couple of days when we were just meeting and getting together and so forth. It was, there was magic around. I just, everybody fell in love. It was, it was so beautiful to, um, to be with people you loved every day and, uh, and doing what you thought was a wonderful, a wonderful show, a wonderful job. I remember Wayne one day said, um, people say to him, he said, they say, keep up the good work. And he said, Loretta, I feel like I'm on a football team or something. But um, the audience so appreciated uh, the, the ensemble and, and the work and the, um, uh, the talent involved. And I, it was just uh, a miracle. A beautiful little miracle. I, all of us feel that way, by the way. I'm echoing so many things that we have as a group discussed with interviewers. We all felt blessed by this happening. These particular people coming together at that particular time with those, those particular production values and those particular gifted writers. And, you know, it was, it was, uh, I call it the miracle of MASH. It's just, uh, and I and I feel strongly about that still, many years later. You know, and that's so interesting when you talk about the miracle of MASH. The show in general, it, it was so popular. What do you think made it so popular that, you know, the finals, final episode drew such an audience? What do you think made people talk so much about the show and you have so many fans from years and years. It just continues to live on, MASH. Uh, yes, it is. Um, uh, it has been passed on from generation to generation. So you start getting, um, uh, very soon afterwards, you start getting letters from children of children and children's children of children. And it keep, and it continues. My mom, my grandma, my would always watch us and we would sit and watch the show and they'd say, watch this, watch this. And so the grandparents and then the great grandparents, uh, and it was like a torch getting passed along. I call it, um, the global mash family, but it really is. It's, uh, uh, globally. So, uh, popular, not only popular, but revered, revered. And they feel, about the cast, about the, those people, and I don't say characters because, you know, even though we were playing characters, they were real people in that situation. They just uh, relate to us. They, you know, when, when we finished the show, we'd get letters about what everybody thought would happen to each individual character on the show, and I think this would happen, and it, it, the our mail was just so beautiful. There were things that just um, should should have been published, you know. I mean, they're just beautiful things that people got from the messages in the show. And I think they tackled some very uh, innovative problems that, that hadn't been touched before. And at, at any rate, uh, there's just this one particular thing that I want to tell you about. And it was toward the end of the show, the last maybe weeks, we had a kind of big billboard where we started to tack up our mail so that everybody could share it. You know, if I got a piece of mail, <clears throat> it was to me, but it was about all of us. Anyway, we wanted to share that with the cast. And so 
there was this one simple note and um it read dear mash people thank you thank you for the laughs and the tears thank you for letting me feel and that said it for me people felt they turn on the, the the show and they didn't know what to expect we were always a little bit of a surprise. They didn't know if they were going to laugh or cry or do both simultaneously, which is really a feat. And I just, uh, we, we all felt very close to our audience and it became family. And it continues to this day. It did, the, the mail still reflects that. The autograph shows, Jamie and I attend a lot of the autograph shows. And it is beautiful their, their, their response talking about this that you know that show and then you're still quoting this it's it's a, a family and it's a phenomenon and i have to tell you it's a beautiful way to live to oh. hear those things from people people elderly people telling me how much i influenced their lives how many nurses out there became nurses because of Margaret Houlihan, because being influenced by her, her ambition, her integrity, her power, her strength, her flaws, her humor, her all of it. And, it, and I speak for me, for my character, but everybody, all the characters in the show, uh, my God, Jamie, people worship this man. I mean, it just is, and I cannot think of any other actors that who could have like Duke would do Klingy, Klinger or uh, um, I, it, they were just Bill Christopher I used to tell Bill that his portrayal of Father Mulcahy I was convinced that he actually brought people back to the church you know <laughs> he was just he was the kind of priest you want to have you want to feel like you meet him you have a drink and you can talk to him you can tell him this that or the other thing about yourself without feeling that it was a quote confession you know he was just uh, remarkable and uh and i felt that way gary Burgoff, gosh that you know he was married with children when he's doing radar and and i always thought i was talking to a little kid <laughs> he just was he was little radar and young and the youngest and the baby and the, and um he was always always in character or in a, a shoot with the six of us let's say uh there was an expression that robert wise used for shooting julie andrews he said are you doing a crowd scene when in doubt cut to julie because she was 150 percent always there you know not saying anything or doing anything but she and that was that was gary burgo he's just so total yeah whether he was fixing his glasses or his little radar cap he was never out of character on that set it was just it was amazing and that and i can i have little stories like that about each of those people that I that I worked with, and they're, they're just so special. Alan and Mike, and 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 then of course the people we lost 
were body blows. I mean, Harry Morgan, if you had to say to the cast when we were flying, uh, who, okay, we know you all love each other, but who's your favorite? Come on, who's your favorite? We wouldn't have any problem about that. Everybody would say Harry. Mm. Everybody would say Harry. I know they would. Uh, and because he was everything to all of us. He was father, he was priest, he was confessor, he was colleague, he was, I mean, and of course his acting chops, he could, he could turn you from laughter to tears in a, in a second. That was his thing, his trade. This is what he did. And uh, remember we did a, a show about um, an oath that he and his comrades from World War One had made. They had a bottle of 100-year-old brandy, and they passed it from one to the other as they demised. And he comes back to MASH after uh, being in Tokyo. And he has this box with him, and he invites, invites us into his tent to toast his fallen comrades. Now, there's Harry of a certain age of an incredible experience in the era of movie making he had done 110 movies black and white mostly and mostly classic movies I mean, he just was his, his, the, the list of movies that that he was in these and and all of these great familiar actors the, the you know the henry fondas and the john howdyak yeah. this incredible resume he had done something like seven or eight television series. So his wealth of, of being was with us. He was like a treasure. He was a, a treasury that, that, uh, and his humor. I can tell you, Mike Farrell, <laughs> we were all in Harry's office. It was the last shot of the day. <laughs> and Harry was, his inimitable self making us laugh so hard. And Mike was lying on the floor with tear, tears rolling down his cheeks. I mean, it, it, it just, you had to be there. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, you know, and this was, so when you say, do you have any, uh, any little funny stories or something, you know, we have Loretta, you, Loretta, you nailed it. You nailed it with some stories. <laughs> now, Greg, what are your memories of MASH growing up watching it? Greg. Well, <laughs> just enjoying it every day, which was great. I, I got to see it when it was airing and I got to see the reruns, you know, later in college. Um, so it was just always there, you know, what, especially in college, you know, I always had the TV on, we'd go to the dorm and it was just always playing. So it was just always, always kind of like having a home away from home, if you would, because it was something that was very familiar and very comfortable growing up, you know, that, that I enjoyed watching with my, uh, my siblings and, and my parents. Um, so very fond memories about it. The thing about the memories, when, like, for example, your experience, Greg, you were watching it, re-watching it, you had a different experience from the first time because you were now revisiting with a family member or an old, old friend or or, or that gal that you had a crush on growing up. But our, our revisiting was like going back to see an old friend. And that's why this kind of um, family thing, this familial uh, global mesh family, um, 
people have memories attached to the experience of watching the show that is so, so incredibly touching and moving and in some cases um, influencing as, as in getting a job of being a nurse because they admired nurses in MASH or, you know. Uh, I had um, a letter, it was quite early in the run too, from a woman uh, who said that uh, her dad uh, left them kind of early in his life, in her life, and, and her mother had nothing. And her mother worked two jobs and uh, had very little time left over, and when she was home, was pretty tired from working all day and part, partly into the evening. And, and so she said, um, Mom did her best, but uh, you became my big sister when I watched this show. And uh, I became a nurse. I'm married now, happily, with kids who watch the show with me. So, uh, and it, but the, she, 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 she had a touch of the poet. I'm only telling you the story, but she wrote a beautiful letter about feeling that she could go to MASH, go to the Forest Simpson, because it was her safe place. She called it her haven, her safe place. She felt comfortable with the people, her family. It became her ersatz family, you know, and so, and and those thoughts reflect themselves in so many pieces of mail. This feeling, I could go there and be safe. I could go there and feel comfortable, laugh, cry. Yeah, you know, uh, cry or tears, and not necessarily negative. Sometimes that is the outpouring of uh, outpouring of of great um, emotion and and positive emotion, good feelings. And um, that's that's quite an exchange that we had with our audience and continue to have. It can be seen, it was like that old joke, somewhere, let's have a drink, it's early, now. Nah, somewhere the sun is going down over the yard arm. Well, somewhere, as we're talking right now, somewhere, Bash is on the air oh. and somebody is watching it and feeling they've gone home to the old neighborhood and seen old friends and you know it's uh it's it's a very special glorious yeah. happening all right loretta you're going to unveil a new jewelry at the international gem and jewelry show to raise money for animal charities in uh, Dulles Expo Center on Friday, May 19th to Sunday, May 21st. May 19th, 2021, correct? Mm -hmm. uh, it's, not, um, it's not a line, uh, and um, it's my, my charity. And mm -hmm. yes, uh, uh, the name of my charity is Sweetheart Animal Alliance. Alliance is the operative word there, so I... Um, Every, all the monies that, that come in from the art book, I have my second printing of the art book, which contains, I think, something like 70 paintings of mine, watercolors. And um, the sale 
price is. Uh, it depends. If you're getting it on online, it's $60. Well, uh, that money to the penny goes into the treasury of Sweetheart Animal Alliance, as does photographs that I sign or whatever that I'm, I'm signing. Um, the jewelry, uh, the same will apply. My perfume, which is... Um, a rounded a bottle that is, they call it a glide. It, it glides on your, your pulse. You, you, it's a glider. And it's, I'm very proud of it. I love it. I wear it. I, I, I wouldn't try to sell something that I didn't love or use or wear, you know. Uh, and so uh, the perfume will, will be there. It's Sweetheart. And it's available again online at my website, as is the book and now the jewelry. It's, it's, I think, going to go further and maybe develop into a couple more items. At the moment, uh, the necklaces are making their big debut at the gem show. Excellent. And people at the International Gem and Jewelry Show are dear friends. There's another one of my families. And uh, they're very proud about uh, presenting my uh, my jewelry, my my necklaces, and um, there will be a ring, and there will be matching earrings. So those are coming. There, it's a it's a development as as the needs for the animals of our planet that they develop their needs. And but we have had major successes too. But it covers all all animals, all sentient beings, because it's not just the little lap dog. It is the farm animal. And it is our service dogs. And and one of my alliances helps bring them back from Afghanistan, for example. And they go into a place for recycling in Texas also. Again, an alliance. And and we need money to do all this. We need facilities to help them. They come back with PTSD. People don't realize that. It's, it's going to be the same for that animal. We're animals. We, we, we have the same experiences. And uh, only we can help them, too, or do something about helping them. But look what they do for us. They go out there and save lives. Uh, the search and rescue dogs are part of my, my alliance. These, these, these teams, these wonderful guys and girls who take their 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 uh, searchers out, they're, they're wonderful animals, and go into all the um, crisis areas of the world and sniff out people buried under earthquake and or in fires. Or, you know, uh, they're remarkable, yeah. remarkable people and, or beings, the dogs and, and the people, the teams. They're remarkable. So I can go on and on, yeah. but just, just recently the guide dogs of Israel are my alliance also i got a beautiful picture of a a young man who was hugging his dog michelle her name is and he was thanking me and my alliances for making that possible this is the best thing that's ever happened to me i and now i have a friend and i can see the light through her and how do i thank you for in a, a part the quote was you know the impact you all have made on my life well wow you know it doesn't get better than that 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 this group of activists 
have helped this man in a country we won't go to necessarily or ever meet him necessarily. We have impacted his life in a way that is miraculous. So so um, that's what I'm all about with the charity. So my charity is with Arms uh, Animal Alliance and, and of, of that alliance, and all of this is in the art book at the last page, uh, we have a list of the people I help live. Why do we, like MSPCA, two of my rescues that I live with now are from the uh, MSPCA. So so it's um, a wonderful, breathtaking, terrific energy Fantastic. that we have brought to rescue, placement, helping, changing, make, making things better, you know. So I'm, I'm very, very proud of the charity oh my i'm just oh, i'm so yeah i'm proud of you for sure loretta what you've been able to accomplish greg is a huge animal lover uh, is not true greg with what you do for animals as well oh what's that's it is true it is true i, I do love animals no, but very, you, you've done my heart. Raising money too <laughs> so tell us about how you helped raise money for in mice greg with your dad with your dog I'm sorry, Neil. I, I, you broke up. What'd you say? No, I said you've helped raise money for animals or with for for um, with your dog, right? With specific causes with your dog, using your dog to help raise money. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, we've gone on TV a bunch of times together. Um, so I, I currently, I I have two dogs right now. I have German Shepherd Teddy, um, who's just an amazing dog. is is the most gentle and most amazing German wow. Shepherd I've ever had, and I've had had a few, and. Uh, people just take to him. So, um, you know, my sister has uh, a couple of Dobermans that are grand champions and, you know, hers, we take to hospitals, uh, to kids, you know, to help them oh, at the yeah, cancer yeah, wards. Yeah, and working dogs in hospitals. Yeah. My mom, my mom was at the motion picture home in California and twice a week, uh, a mob, if you will, a herd would come in with their handlers and these dogs they'll, they'll jump on your lap they're, somebody's in a wheelchair you know, they'll jump on your lap and they're licking their faces and i have to tell you the ama have have confessed that this is an irreplaceable medicine they can't do as well with a pill or a drop of medicine these dogs come in and give the love to these people unconditionally you get licked and and loved and that's it's uh, that's great yeah it's, so it's time for everybody in my charity so that we think it's time to start giving back oh it's well past time and i'm not saying it's uh that we just thought of this idea but uh you know um the care and, and enlightenment really the, the plight of animals it is is not a recent thing but it's been growing and growing and now it's gotten to a place where we really really understand yeah. uh, how we how we can help each other fantastic uh, fantastic greg has a final question he asks all of our celebrities go ahead greg with your question yeah loretta it's, it's been a real pleasure uh speaking with you and getting to know you a bit um but loretta for everyone um if you wouldn't mind sharing with us, what do you feel is the most important thing you've ever learned? To reach out and take care of each other. I would have to say, uh, and, and, and uh, I think I was also affected by 
how the nurses do this, how our medical people do this, how our firefighters do this. I mean, I, the most important thing, I, I really, that in my heart and soul, that the women and men, men out there in this world are my brothers and sisters. I'm going to love them and take care of them as best I can. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to do what I can to make everybody's life as as great as it can be, as as easy and, and happy and, and wonderful as life can be. Life, Our life is the greatest gift we have. Let's, let's enjoy it, love it, live it to, to its fullest, but in the best possible way that we can. And, uh, and I think reaching out and helping each other and, and knowing that, knowing that everybody is a brother and a sister. And I know that sounds very kind of um, evangelical, but in the truest sense of the word where, where I get, uh, I tell you about the male who feels their family, but we are. We are a global family, and we need to implement that. Reach out and help each other, love each other, be good to each other, and make the whole place better and great. You know, Absolutely. we can't do it. We can. We can do it. I have seen it. I have lived it. I I know it's a fact, and and I I think that's probably in too many words. But that was that would be the one thing overall. That we have, we have such power to do that. We, we appreciate it. it. I appreciate it, Loretta. Thanks again. Everyone needs to check out the information uh, about the event at intergem.com. I appreciate it so much, uh, Loretta, for you stopping by. Oh, thanks so much. And I hope everyone who hears our message comes to see a see me at the gem show and and i'm also i'll be appearing at an autograph show with mr farr with mr famous jamie farr and that is in philadelphia coming up the first weekend in may right. and uh and so i'm i'm looking forward to meeting a lot of my family right. my global family is going to be in my life very shortly thank you loretta appreciate thank it. you loretta all right, well. guys, that was Celebrity Interviews. You too. That was Celebrity Interviews Live from the Grotto with Greg Hannon. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Strategic Wealth Strategies Podcast with our host, Alan Porter. Alan, what's going on, man? How are you? Well, it's raining here in North Carolina, so no golf for me today. Eh, yeah, it's been raining in Dallas for a few, few days. I don't know. I guess it's raining everywhere. Who knows what's happening? But again, it's April. You know what that means? May flowers are coming. So yeah. let's go to our topic. And this one you said is really interesting because I haven't gotten, done a topic like this with you before. Well, it's called, I, I, I labeled it accumulation. Results. There's only a couple of slides, but they're going to be very important. I call it accumulation versus lifetime income. Okay. Well, let me bring this up real quick here. Okay. And I will. Accumulation versus lifetime. There we go. All right, great. See it okay? Yeah, I'm got it. Okay. Well, accumulation versus lifetime income. 